there's um, this isn't what I really want to share this morning, but just as an update, there there are like pockets of intense outpouring that are happening right now across the planet. I don't know if you've been following any of it, but there's at at Asbury Seminary where the Jesus People revival all started, or part of it started, not all of it, part of it started at the Catholic Seminary, but um, where part of that whole move of God started. Asbury now has been going uh, nonstop for uh, a couple of weeks where it, how long? 60. It just started during chapel, and chapel's still going on. And uh, a, a church down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina called The Gate uh, is experiencing similar things for about the same amount of time. Wow. Um, it's just starting to break out, and, and it's not going to stop. Uh-huh. So when darkness come, grace abounds. And the thing about the, because uh, I, I came into the kingdom through that outpouring of the late 60s and early 70s. And at that time, it was a time, a real tumultuous time. There was a lot going on. I mean, we were, our country was being ripped apart by both the Vietnam War and civil rights and, um, you know, the, hip, the hippies that were there, you know, we, everything was all kind of colliding at once. And um, I just remember as a kid sitting around the, the dinner table and my father in particular lamenting at how everything had gone to hell in a handbasket. And um, he said other things too, but that was one of the milder things that he said about what was going on. And, uh, and yet in the midst of that, God began to pour out his spirit. So we live in a, we are in the kingdom and the kingdom is always advancing. The kingdom is in us individually. The kingdom is moving through us corporately and God is making his, his expression manifest on the earth that every man can see and have opportunity to, to know him as Lord and Savior. And while that goes on in the general sense and doesn't stop, there are seasons of special outpouring, special graces, whatever you want to call it, where God sovereignly puts his presence into an area and just holds it there. And it starts to pull people to it. You know, back in, 90, in 94 when Toronto broke out, you know, that was, again, just supposed to be Randy Clark was speaking at Airport Vineyard. It was supposed to be three nights of Randy speaking at the Vineyard. And by the second night, something was very different. And by the third night, God was turning the world upside down. And so Airport Vineyard became that centralized place where people came from all over the world to be there and experience that. We drove there and spent days there experiencing it. And for, for me being... Um, I was a, a um, I don't even know what you would call me at that time. I, I'll just say I, I was a systematic charismatic. I was charismatic as long as it stayed within the parameters that I had defined, which were very systematic. Because 
You know, in those days, if you had been in this church, we, we, you know, somebody could speak in tongues and then somebody could interpret. Don't get carried away. Two is good. Three is in excess. So keep that in, keep that in mind. People, you could give a prophetic word, but, you know, we were a little cautious about that because prophetic people were pretty flaky and... <laughs> We didn't want too much of that going on because you never could tell when wildfire would break out. And we didn't want wildfire. We just wanted a bonfire. <laughs> so we were very systematic about being charismatic. Thank you for freedom. <laughs> you know, and then we went to Toronto. And I was exposed for the first time in my life to the spirit moving just as he wanted to without having to explain anything to anybody. And people that wanted an explanation were the people that were having the biggest problem with it. People that just wanted God seemed to be enjoying it. And I think God was enjoying that as well. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not the proponent that everything goes and, you know, so I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is when, when God chooses to manifest himself on the earth in a sovereign way, it is always going to be in, in place, or not in places, but it's always going to be in ways that always confound our intellect and bring those of us that need to have the mental explanation to what God is doing, why is he doing it, why is he doing it with this person and not doing it with that person, all those questions that we all have. But when God begins to move, his goal is not to answer all my intellectual questions. His goal is to pull me into his heart in such a way that my heart starts to be transformed by the power of his presence in such a way that I can never go back to where I was. And it's not that it requires me to say, well, where I was was all wrong. That's not the point. There's... In, in all of us in our journey, we, we live in the realms of mixture. It's not that I, I'm going to be free from mixture. So it's not that he's coming trying to, you know, I got to hit you with the hammer. No, he's just coming saying, there's more. There's more. When we came back from Toronto, there was only a few th things we even knew how to say. One was more. <laughs> One was Phil. And, and on those two alone, you could have an entire meeting. <laughs> and we did for weeks and weeks. You know, eventually people said, well, I think there's more than just more and fill. I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's been good so far. I don't know. I mean, if you say more, more is a pretty encompassing word, isn't it? Phil's a pretty saturating word. I mean, they're not limiting words. They're actually expanding words. So if God comes and fills me, and after a couple days, he comes again and fills me, he's topping me off from where he left me the last time, hopefully. So... He's expanding me. He's expanding me. And I, I, in my experience in that season, um, so in the beginning when, when, I, when he 
first moved here into this building with us and then started to have this place of special habitation, and I, you know, some of you have heard this before, but I, uh, his presence at that time, I couldn't take very much of it. And I fell down. And people would say, well, why are you falling down? Because I, like, uh, I can't stand up. It's not rocket science. It's just whatever's happening right now in me is more than this physical body can handle. And I fall down. Well, how long are you going to stay on the floor? Well, usually until I can get up. Again, this isn't deep theological stuff. I'm down because I can't stay up. And I'm not up because I can't get up. When the situation changes, I'll let you know, and you'll see me standing up. But there were hours, hours spent in his presence that way. And in the beginning, as I said, I didn't have an explanation for it. All I knew was what I was experiencing was touching something really deep inside of me, very deep to my core, that was bringing me into a place in God that I had not been before, a place of experiencing his love, a place of experiencing his grace, a place of experiencing the Holy Spirit beyond just the mechanics of doing a gift of the Spirit at a particular time, but actually living in this realm, starting to be introduced to this place where the gifts of the Spirit are as liquid and dynamic as the air that I'm breathing. And so in any given moment, it could move from tongues to prophecy to, to interpretation to, to just being in his presence and not being able to do any of the above. And somehow, something that was unseen was orchestrating that which is seen. And it taught me for the first time in my life that I could actually trust the unseen to handle the seen and do it better than most of us that can see it can handle it or orchestrate it. Amen. So for the first time in my life as a Christian, I began to be brought into this place where I realized God is spirit, and those that are going to worship him must worship him in spirit. Well, what, what in the world does that actually mean? Is it just singing a song? Is it doing what I'm doing right now, giving an exhortation? What, what does worship him in spirit actually mean? Well, my understanding started to bring me to a place that it means that God is, for, is transferring me more out of the natural realm into the unseen realm, and now I'm becoming more a part of the spirit than I was before. And I could actually trust it. Because I didn't trust it before. I had to have, you know, I had to have the explanation. I had to have the system. And he blew that system up. And he's never put it back together again. I, I, I have tried to put it back together several times. And I guess the only good thing I can say is it's fractured enough. It doesn't take much for him to blow it up again. 
The first time it took a little bit, I must say. He had the chisel on my walls for a wee bit of time. Now those walls are, are so, so fractured. One, I don't want the walls up. And two, when they do go up, they come down much easier than they used to. And I find myself participating with him instead of pushing against him. Because I've, I've come to this place where I know that when he judges me, he's doing that to take me closer to him. We, we've, many of us in church culture, when we hear the word judgment, we, we move to this place of punishment. Oh, well, God's judging you. What's he, well, what's he, well, he's punishing you, man. He's going to whack the tar out of you. And good riddance, because I wanted to, but I'm glad God's going to do it. You know, so God's, we, we hear that word judgment, and we think in the terms of punishment. When in the Old Testament, the clearest place for me where I start to understand what God as judge looks like is the book of Judges. Judges was how God had intended to handle the nation of Israel. They were the ones that wanted a king. He wanted judges. They rejected what he wanted. He gave them a king, and he told them, this is going to be problematic for you. Kings are really not the people you want ruling you. Because a judge, when you look at the book of Judges, what would happen? Israel would find itself, and maybe this is going to be the sermon. I, I, since I'm on this, maybe people just stay here. So when you, when you look at the book of Judges, what would happen? Israel would, as a nation, would get themselves in some type of problem. Usually they have walked away from God. They've taken on other things. They, you know, there's the whole myriad of things that they continually got themselves in. But when we do that, we end up in these places where God is now letting us have what it is that we want. So if I, if I want my flesh to rise up and be, be how I'm conducting my life, God's, you can have it. But it's going to cost you something, and it's going to create problems for you. And of course, usually our response is, no, I know what I'm doing. And he's like, well, then do it. Now, the amazing thing from what I see with him as judge, when I start to do the things that are going to actually create issues for me, it's not like he leaves and goes to the other room. He goes with me through it because he never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He goes with me in the midst of my mess so that at some point when I come to the end of myself and go, this ain't working, and I don't know how to get out of this, he's standing right there. He says, well, I, I, I actually know how to get you out of this if you're interested. Yeah. So he began, he's always with us. He's always dealing with us. So he would come as judge. So the people would begin to cry out, oh, this is terrible. We need to repent. We know we've moved away from God. So they would begin to cry out, what would God do? He sends a judge. What would the judge do? The judge didn't come in and just condemn everybody. The judge came in, one, pointed out the error, pointed out the way back to right relationship with God, and then judged 
became the, the advocate for them against the enemy that was creating whatever issue the enemy was creating for them. So God would come in and then be the judge, but the judge is an advocate, not the punisher. It's not a sentence that is, is the judge's responsibility from God's perspective. From God in that, the judge is my advocate. So when, I can, when I'm free enough and I start to trust him enough that I can come and say, God, judge me, I'm not, it's not like I'm, I, I'm saying that and having this expect, expectation that, well, I don't know, I'm almost afraid to leave the building now. I don't know where I'm going to get in a car accident. I don't know what's going to happen, but God's going to judge me. It's not going to be good. It's all going to be a mess. No, God comes in and judges, becomes my advocate, for that thing that's holding me back from fully being in him. Well, if I understand the love of the Father, when he does that, it's for my good. The end of that is better than the beginning because he's brought me to a place of deeper understanding of how I should be conducting my life, deeper understanding of when I stray, what does that actually do? What's that releasing? I understand that better. He's judged that. He is my advocate against that. Any place where sin would try to hold me back, he's my advocate. He's not my destroyer. Is that? Okay. Just, just checking. Just checking. It's all, there's only, it's awful quiet in here today. I know, I know a bunch of people are away, but it's quiet. Quiet. So we're, we, I began to understand that through those days of renewal that I had in my mind at that time, my theology at that time uh, was much more, you know, it, God's, God's a harsh God, especially God the Father. Jesus was cool. I didn't mind hanging around with him. But God the Father, he was old and contrary. And I, I just was always glad Jesus was between the two of us. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm embellishing that some, but that was my heart. And during the days of the renewal, for the first time, I was exposed to the Father's love. And I began to see how deep the Father's love was for me. And when Scripture talked about fire, that fire that came, that fire that was a refiner's fire, that fire that, that is part of God, that I was actually safe there. And when the fire came, yeah, there was the, you know, there was the fire where Holy Spirit would come and, and there was that, but there was also those places where I'm now in the refiner's fire. And that thing in me that I've never been able to get free of and the number of times that I repented for it only as a sin that I had done as opposed to an iniquity that needed to be judged. It needed the fire because the iniquity needed to die so that I could be free. And only he is able to come and be my advocate there because he clearly knows the issue of my heart that the iniquity holds on to. And only he can do the surgery to remove the iniquity and not crush my heart. 
And I, I didn't feel safe with him before that. And I experienced safety in him during that season where he came and didn't ask me, well, Robert, uh, tonight I'm showing up and I know the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He won't ever make you do anything that you don't want to do, but how about the floor? And he just tripped me. And before I could say no, I was out. It's kind of like, you know, the surgery. Just count backwards. How long, how many, how far are you going to get? You know, not very far. But then I, but when I was there, I began to experience something deep in my soul that was God extracting things, removing things, changing things. And many of those have been the cries of my heart to be free from since I had been a believer. Now, maybe your experiences have been far different. My experience was I, I met him in that wonderful expression of salvation. How, you know, it came. I, didn't, I had no, no grid for it, but he was there. And when he was there, I, was, I knew he was there, but I didn't even know who he was. But I was sure it was him. In that place where in spirit he comes and something deep inside of us, our spirit, responds to that. And we know something that we don't even know. And we experience something that we can't even define. And, we, and, and it is deep enough that it begins to transform my life so that the person I was prior to that experience I'm not that same person, but at the same time, I also have brought a truckload of junk with me that I'm pulling around in this new place of being a believer. And little by little, the truck's getting unpacked, but at least in my experience, there was some stuff right by the back door of the truck that unpacked pretty easy. But the further you went into the truck, that stuff wasn't so easy to unpack. It was kind of glued together. And I tried to throw it out the back door, but I couldn't lift it. I couldn't make it go. And he came and began to meet me in places where he's like, I can take this. And he took this piece away. And then he took this piece away. And, and I can appreciate now that in my journey, it was necessary not to take everything away all at once. There's that place where when the children of Israel go into the promised land and, you know, they're, they're doing various things, God says, this group I haven't taken out of the land because you need to, know, you need to learn the ways of war. If he removes everything from me, in my opinion, if he removes everything from me right at the beginning, then I'm free, but I'm weak. And that weakness ultimately will trip me up. Yeah. Where his intent is, no, I'm going to teach you the ways of war. Because if you're going to live in this world, you're going to have to know how to wage war. Because this world that you live in is now hostile to you. 
before I became a believer, it was at least perceived to be a friend. It was still hostile. I just was already blind to the hostility that it was already exhibiting on me. Now I've stepped into another world, a place called the kingdom of God, and now the, the world that was hostile to me but told me it was its friend now looks at me and says, you're my enemy. It, doesn't li it didn't like me any, any more over there than it did over here. The goal was to destroy me in either place. There I was a willing participant. Yeah. Here, now all of a sudden, I have a lot more people... A lot more presence hanging with me. So before I became a believer, when I walked around, and, and this, please don't make this an absolute statement, because if you do, I'll deny that I ever said it. <laughs> when I was in the world, I walked around, there were some entities unseen with me, some of those were God-assigned entities. A lot more were not. So now I come into the kingdom, and some of those other entities are still hanging, but I picked up some other entities in the angelic realm that are now assigned to me and will always be assigned to me and will always go with me. So the world hated me there. The world hates me here. Over here, mainly the company I was keeping were of the dark realm. I'm not trying to create another science fiction movie. It's just, but they're of the dark realm. Now I've come into to the light. Now that which travels with me are the entities of light. And the unseen over there definitely doesn't like the unseen that's hanging with me now. And they're with you, they're with me, whether you know they're there or not. Well, I don't think I have an angel. All right. What you think isn't really what's driving the day, so you can think whatever you want. The angel isn't going to go away. He's not there because you're smart enough to keep him there. He's there because he's been assigned by my father to watch over me and to have a place in my life. So I started to become aware of that. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even know those things even went on. I had never even given much thought about the unseen realm. Um, but it was through those encounters with God that he begins to uh, bring us to a place of understanding. He all of a sudden, you know, well, you know, I, before I became a, a follower of Christ, we had a Bible in our house. And that was about as far as it went. <laughs> For some reason, after I became a follower of Christ, and they handed me this book called The Bible. I couldn't put it down. It became all that I read. It became a source of life. And if you ask me, well, why? Why is it that you can read a sentence in this book called The Scriptures 
and you can't get away from that sentence, and I can read a paragraph in this other book, and a half an hour later, I forget what the heck I even read, let alone what it meant. But this one sentence in this book, the scriptures, somehow embeds itself in my heart and now starts speaking to me. And it doesn't give me one explanation. It's giving me multiple explanations. It becomes a way into other verses that seem to all connect. And why do verses connect like that? What, what is it about this that causes it to work this way? You know, well, later you start to, you know, people say, well, this is, you know, this is, this is God breathed. This is, this is inspired words from him. This is men that had encounters with him. This is what they penned. So it's not just a book. No, it's not. It's not just a novel. There's something, there's something about it that's deeper than that. Because when we pick up the scriptures... Now we again are at this, this, uh, uh, this touch point between heaven and earth. Something happens there where heaven is speaking to the earth through what's actually been written in words that connect heaven and earth. There's other times the voice of God speaks, and it's not through the written word, it's his voice and that voice connects heaven and earth. Both, are, both happen. So when I, you know, not knowing much, was having these early encounters with God, his voice was speaking. I didn't, I didn't recognize it as his voice. It was just some, an awareness that I would have. It was later that I realized, oh, my goodness, God's been speaking all along. I thought he only spoke once a year at Christmas. <laughs> He's like, he's like at it every day. He's got something to say every day. This is amazing. Because over time, he trains our senses so that now I know his voice. So when, you know, people might ask you, they ask me, well, how do you know? You know, you tell me, well, God said this. Well, God said that. What's it sound like when God says it? I said it sounds like me speaking. Well, then how do you know it's God? If it, if it sounds like you, well, because he's trained me, I know his voice. And there's, I know it well enough now. There's sometimes I think it's him that's speaking. I'm not quite sure. So I hold that and I wait because if it is him speaking, he has a reason for speaking. So he will begin to take what I think might be him and will now bring it bring other things into play, so ultimately you go, oh my goodness, that was him. And there's other times he speaks, and you go, that is him. And there's other times, there's other voices that speak, and you go, fool me once, but you ain't going to fool me a second time. You know, and people say, well how, well, how do you know? How do you know? Well, if, if today I get up, and... And this, 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 is a, this should be a very, um, um, a very uh, what would I say? I'll just say a very childlike understanding of the voice of God. This should be, although 
I question sometimes because I see people that should know better that don't hear it this way. But it, if I get up this morning and I head out for the day, and when I go in to get coffee, there's this really nice lady standing next to me, and we start talking. And all of a sudden, there starts to feel this energy between the two of us. And I'm thinking, wow, maybe I could, we, we could go out and have breakfast. You want to go have breakfast? Well, yeah, I'd like to have breakfast. Okay. Well, by the end of the breakfast, hey, breakfast was good. You want to have some other things? Well, yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, let's just go do that. So I, I, I would be hearing voices that would be coupled with my emotions that would be directing me in a certain direction, which would be wrong. For those of you that are visiting, I'm married. Um, it would be wrong. But I would be ignoring those voices and listening to the voice that's coupled with my emotions that's kind of driving me for the moment going, no, nah, no, nah, it'll be good, it'll be good. And nobody will know. And you know, all that stuff. Well, no, that is not the voice of God. And two things should confirm that, at least in me now. One, I know the voice of God, and I know he would never say that. But I also know he would never say that because in the scriptures, it says just the opposite. It said, don't be a fool. Go home to your wife. Got it. I think I'll just go home. Enjoy your coffee. It's been a great day. Nice chatting with you, but I'm going home now. How do I, how do I differentiate? God trains us. He trains me in the word, and he trains me in the word. Both are happening in us on a continual basis. And in these times where I started, in these times where there's these outpourings of the spirit, I, it seems to me that God is not just going, I don't, I don't really have anything to do. I've been kind of hanging, hanging around here for a while around the throne. Not much happening. I think I'm going to go down to earth and just kind of stir up some places. Well, no. He's actually, he, there's a plan. When he starts to sovereignly pour out his spirit, at least what I see when I read the history of revivals that have happened over the years, he has a plan. And the plan is at that juncture, as these things come together, it's those moments where the kingdom takes an advancing step that uh, accelerates beyond what would be the normal pace of the kingdom advancing. He doesn't tell us usually all that he's going to do in that. What he does do is create these touch points, and he's, I think he's just looking for who's hungry. Yeah. Who's hungry? Mm -hmm. Who's willing to, to step outside of the norm and go, I'm just going to go after this, and I don't even know where it's going to go. When the renewal hit here, it was be, we were hungry. The interesting thing, I can't even say that we could take credit for knowing that we were hungry. But there was something in all of us that started to respond to where you went, I want that. And when, it, when his presence was there in that, at that intensity, it was enough that we would come back six nights a week to be here in his presence and then come back Sunday morning week after week after week after week. And it was such that people from the area 
heard about it and started coming to find out what was happening, to, to, um, to, to, to get a little bit of it. And people will come with all kinds of motives. Some people came because they were curious. Some people came because they were hungry. Some people came because they were against it and were only just trying to build another a case of, well, that's the most bizarre place I've ever been. Let me tell you what they're doing. You know, in the, in the early days, there was um, uh, there was a story that had been generated that supposedly happened, happened here about people crawling on the floor all over the place like snakes. Um, that never did happen. <laughs> well, it depends. I don't know. I mean, I guess if we, we probably would have, if it just started happening, we, we probably would not have, at least in the beginning, done much about it. Just try to figure out, okay, well, what's, usually what we would do as a rule of thumb, when there was something that happened that we had not seen before, when it was done, we would ask the person what was going on. I figured that's about the best litmus test, what was going on. We did have a lady who had gone out in the spirit, and she was back by those doors, and she began to make some noises and say some words that just didn't, weren't kind of in the flow of what we were doing. So myself and two other gentlemen, we walked over to her to see what was going on. And it was obviously, it was a demonic manifestation. And so we started to pray. And she did kind of crawl from that door to about, yeah, probably in this area right here somewhere. And as we're dealing in deliverance and at a certain point, the spirit left. The, the, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit or spirits that were in her. They left. And um, the reason she was crawling was she kept reaching out. She was on the floor, of course. She kept reaching out like she was trying to uh, put her hand on my foot. So each time she would do that, I just stepped back because I didn't want her to put her hand on my foot. And then she would move forward and try that again, and I would back up. So we, I backed up. She crawled forward from about there, and the other two guys were here as well. So the spirits are take, are, are leave, and she begins to cry. And so she cried for a while. We prayed for her. Um, you know, at that point, we laid hands on her. She was fine, and... You know, just pray to the power of God to come and the comfort of God to come. So later I asked her, I said, so what, what were you thinking? Why did you, while all that was happening, why were you trying to grab my foot? She goes, because everything that was speaking inside of me was saying, if I could get my hands on you, I was going to pull the head right off your body. She goes, I was going to kill you. I just wanted to kill you. And I'm like... Well, thank you, Jesus. I'm, 
I'm glad that we had a different outcome and you did not put your hand on my foot. Now, if she had actually put her hand on my foot, would she have done everything the voices were saying? I don't know. I kind of doubt it. But by the same token, I wasn't willing to find out. <laughs> oh, man of little faith. It's like, ah, I just, I'll just back up. It's cool. I'll just back up. We're cool. We're cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, so that would always be one of the things we did. Well, what was going on? What were you experiencing? What, what were you hearing? Uh, and <clears throat> so this, this whole storyline is just that when God is starting to pour out and he's starting to pour out again, I, I can't tell you today what's going to be the outcome of Asbury, what's going to be the outcome of the gate, what's going to be the outcome of the other places where it's happening. But what I can tell you, it's to me at least, it's a, it's a it's a it's a telltale sign that that there's something about to move forward in the kingdom that's a big step not just the steps we take normally on a day-to-day basis and it's going to it's going to be it's going to continue there's going to be more it's going to be here now does but when i say that i'm not saying we run to asbury Watch what they're doing and hurry back here to replicate it here. No, what we do is just stay hungry and he meets our hunger with what he wants to do here in this area for the people around this area because he knows the hearts of the people that we've been set in front of. And he will manifest himself here and in other churches in this area, but he'll manifest himself here so that we are the imagers of him to the people here, and they can hear what we're saying because we've been, we've been prepared to be the right image. Um, Kim brought this up at the, at the uh, couple's advance yesterday, and it, it, it kind of got me thinking on several things, but at the end of the book of Job, when God speaks to the boys that were telling Job what God looked like and how he acted, the voice of God to them was, you misrepresented me. That's not who I am. How dare you tell those people who I am when you don't know who I am? I think that same charge is on us. When we go and tell people who God is, man, let us be right in what we're telling them. Let it be something that brings liberation and freedom, not bondage, not fear, not, I mean, the, the, what we're, what we're, we're supposed to be imaging Jesus. And Acts says he went about doing good, and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. That's what he did. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Going about doing good and healing all those that are oppressed by the devil. And he knows the people in this region. And he's prepared and is preparing us and others. If we'll stay hungry and we'll bring that hunger to him, and let the hunger be what drives us, not our schedules, not our 
systematic stuff, but can I just be driven by my hunger? Yeah. It's a challenge. It is a challenge. It's a challenge. The other day, I was hungry, physically hungry. Happens quite often, actually. It's not a new manifestation. But it was one of those days, the morning started real early, and I realized it's now almost 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and my whole day's diet had been one cup of coffee. And even that had left. And now I'm hungry. You know the amazing thing about hungry? I was at a place where I'm hungry, and there's plenty of places to eat, but now I'm so hungry I can't make up my mind what will satisfy my hunger. So what is it that I actually want? And I actually started driving towards two different places and changed my mind because about halfway there, I'm like, I don't think I want Wawa. Okay, all right, well, I'm going to go. Oh, well, this is what I want. So I started over there. No, that's not what I want. When we're hungry, we'll look because we know what it is ultimately that's trying to, that will satisfy. And in the beginning, I'm just hungry. Anything will satisfy until I... Get down to it. Well, it's the same way I think in the kingdom. If I'm hungry, I, everything may seem what I want. But ultimately, it'll narrow itself down to what's, what is the hunger really driving. So on my third try, I found what my hunger was really driving, and I devoured it. <laughs> and what was that? That was a sub from a sub shop in Lincoln that just all of a sudden it's like its taste just rose up in my mouth. I haven't had one. I haven't had a sub there in like probably six months. And all of a sudden I could taste it. And I knew I had to have it. <laughs> and it did not disappoint. <laughs> and it's that way in the kingdom. We start tasting things and it starts driving us. And, and all along, God is, and Holy Spirit are fine-tuning our hunger to what is it. And then all of a sudden, the taste will be in our mouth. And we'll know. We'll know. What we're experiencing here now is just this place where a, a fresh hunger in worship. And we're tasting it. And when we taste it, it tastes right. Now, for someone else, they'll go, I don't want that. I don't want a sub. You know, I want a pizza. All right, well, if that's what you're tasting, go get one. <laughs> but for us, right now, we're chewing on this, this hunger that God is putting in us because he's not done with it yet. We don't know what the fullness of this hunger ultimately looks like. But what I do know is it will be something that for those that are hungry for this, their taste will drive them here. And when they come, they'll come hungry. And when they come in hungry, they'll be satisfied because the plan of the Lord is to satisfy them in him. The goal is not to fill this place up with people and, and say, oh, well, we're, we're now the second largest church and whatever, whatever. Yeah, it's like, no. The goal is that we're the place where the hungry come and they're satisfied. And then it's up to the Holy Spirit to decide with them. Where are they going to go? What are they going to do? Why, why has he met them now? What's their assignment? Well, go, go do your assignment. We're just glad 
that this was the place that it started. That, that when you came, your hunger was met by the presence of God, the power of God, and that was sufficient for you to make, take the next steps in your journey, whatever they are. And uh, So anyway, I was going to talk about the poor today, but we'll just say we're talking about the poor in spirit. And that's probably enough for today. Well said. What you say? Well fed. Well said. Oh. <laughs> well fed. <laughs> Father, I thank you. I thank you for each person that's here today for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you that each person represents. Someone who's seeking you, seeking after you, and made it, was intentional about being here this morning. And Lord, meet their intentionality with yourself. Meet their intentionality and their hunger with your presence, your power. Holy Spirit, come in your grace and and touch each of us. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, that we're able to go out and and give away to those around us uh, the pieces that they're looking for the pieces they're hungry for. Lord, I thank you for the couples advanced this weekend, for all the couples that were there, and just the rich way that you poured out your spirit and touched us and moved in our lives, and just the time of fellowship and joy and laughter and all the things that went into this weekend there. I thank you for that as well. Lord, that we continue to be people that... uh, Uh, that we're just covenant people, that those of us that are in a marriage covenant, that we value that and hold tight to that and, and do all that we can to know.